Hey, thanks for tuning in to today's Anchor Cast. My name is David White, and I am the young adult pastor here at Cross City Christian Church. Our goal of our Anchor Nights is to simply create a space where young adults and college students would, would come and experience the love and the power of Jesus Christ. Tonight, we get to hear from a guest speaker. He's a local pastor in Fresno talking through our series, Costumes. It's all about this idea of, of dressing up or wearing a mask or wearing a costume, trying to perform or trying to fit in or be someone who we're not. I hope this message inspires you. I hope it engages you. And I hope it pushes you to be a better follower of Jesus. Thank you, bro. Thank you. Um, so first, I told David I would embarrass him. I don't have any embarrassing stories because I didn't know him in high school. We only met like five years ago. But um, I just want to brag on him a little bit, and he's so humble. I know everybody in this room already knows this, Sarah especially, that he is very, very good looking. <laughs> very good looking. See, watch, he's probably going to blush under his beard. But I say this all the time, like whenever we're hanging out, like at my, um, what's it called, the diaper party, like I was going to have a baby. My wife was going to have a baby. I wasn't. My wife was. And you throw a diaper party for the dudes, right? And he shows up, and he's in like this thing that if I was wearing it, it would be ridiculous. Like it was like he stepped off a GQ magazine while hunting. It was crazy. And I'm just like, you are gorgeous. Like if I put that on, it wouldn't work. Another point, I did see one man bun, so please don't be offended by this next statement. But most man buns are ridiculous. Yours is pretty good. Yeah, I was, I was admiring it from afar, so it's good. But can we all agree most of them look pretty ridiculous? Well, David went through a season of a man bun. His was fantastic. He can do whatever he wants. Do whatever he wants. Okay, so now we're going to talk about Jesus a little bit. Now that I embarrassed uh, David. But seriously, he's amazing, super anointed, love this guy. He has a heart for you guys, and um, he's one of my best friends. So with that, I'll talk about me a little bit. So... I'm from the land of Wisconsin, Wisconsin. You can hear it in my accent, especially when I go back home and come back to California. I moved out here five years ago. Uh, back in Chicago, I went to a very conservative college. I'm an army veteran. I did two tours overseas. Um, what else to cover? Thank you. Um, and I went to a very conservative college where I didn't really know who the Holy Spirit was. I was like, yeah, the Holy Spirit, he helped write the Bible, right? And then I don't know what he does now. I don't know what he does now. And then fast forward three years ago, um, I went to the Bethel Supernatural School of Ministry, which is totally the other spectrum, if you guys know about Bethel at all. And I did a year up there. It was amazing. So that's my plug. If you have a chance to go for a year, go. It will change your life. It's amazing. It's only $4,500, a few other details, but you should go. So I moved here five years ago, planned a church with David, and uh, I actually meet my wife while we're in the process of planting this church. And we get married two years ago. So I have three boys. Don't worry about the math. I'll explain it later. I have three boys, a 14-year-old, a 12-year-old, and a 10-month-old. So the reason I share that, I always say my boys. I don't say my two stepsons and then my son, right? I don't ever want them to feel second rate. 
And part of this is costumes really comes from this idea of we have to present this image to people. We have to present this image, like even right now. Like, I don't, at dinner, stand up and talk like this, right? I'm not like, yeah, I'm gonna stand up now, give me a mic, I'm gonna do grace for my small little family, right? Every, there, there's a part where when you're with your grandma, you talk different than when you're with your friends, right? We all get that, right? That's a part of understanding context. But costumes is something different where we actually put on this front and we become so connected to that costume that it changes who we are and it changes how we view ourselves and other people view us, right? It changes what it is. And so with my kids, with my boys, I'm always like, I never want them to feel second rate. Because if you're a believer of Jesus, if you're a believer in Jesus, if he's your Lord, if he's your savior, you're never second rate to him. Scripture tells us that we've been adopted into a new family through his blood. When you accept Jesus, you're adopted into a new family. But he doesn't say in scripture, yeah, this is my adopted kid. This is my adopted daughter. This is my adopted son. He just says son. He just says daughter. And it's even more than that. He calls you beloved. So if you'll turn with me to Matthew, it's uh, on the little cool paper that uh, David set up for us. Matthew 3, verse 16 through 17. So context with this, this is early in the Gospels, in the Gospel of Matthew, and Jesus is being baptized. So this is where we actually see the Trinity appear. We see Jesus, we see the Holy Spirit, and we see God. So Matthew 3, verses 16 and 17. And when Jesus was baptized, immediately he went up from the water, and behold... The heavens were opened to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and coming to rest on him. And behold, a voice from heaven said, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. With whom I am well pleased. So we, we have this perspective of we're thousands of years away from when this occurred, right? 2,000 plus years. So we have this perspective of we know what Jesus is going to do before this story, right? He does it after. So we have this perspective. We know Jesus' ministry. We know he gets crucified, died, rose again, ascended into heaven. We're all saved. We have that perspective. But at this moment, what had Jesus actually done, according to the Gospels, as far as ministry? Nothing. His ministry hadn't started yet. His ministry started after he was baptized. So at this point, like, God is saying to his son, who hasn't done anything, hasn't done any miracles yet, all he's done is been a good son to Mary and Joseph, right? His earthly parents. But he hasn't done anything yet. And yet God still looks down at him and says, this is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. So what does that mean for us? It means your identity, who you are, who God says you are, is not connected to what you do. It is connected to who he is and who he says you are. It has nothing to do with what you've done, nothing to do with what you're going to do. He says, you are my beloved with whom I am well pleased. That's what's underneath that mask of the costume. 
That's what matters. But there's so much more to that in Scripture. There's many stories. There's stories where we see a character in the Bible, a hero in the Bible, a saint of the Bible, and we remember one part of their story. We don't remember all of it. Right? So you can look at it in a negative way. Like you can look at Peter and say, Peter the coward. You can look at David, not this David, David of the Old Testament, and say, David the adulterer, David the murderer. You can do that. And unfortunately, we do that with Thomas, the disciple Thomas, right? When you hear the word Thomas, the disciple, you automatically think doubting Thomas, right? Doubting Thomas. So we're going to look at that right now. Doubting Thomas, John chapter 20, 24 through 29. Now Thomas, one of the twelve, called the twin. So the reason he was called the twin is because he looked so much like Jesus. Did you guys know that? That's why he was called the twin, because he looked so much like Jesus. Now Thomas, one of the twelve, called the twin, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see his hands, the mark of the nails, and place my finger into the marks of the nails, and place my hand upon his side, I will never believe. Eight days later. So eight days later. That actually stood out to me, because every time I think of this story, I think it's like right after. Eight days later, his disciples were inside again. And Thomas was with them. Although the doors were, were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here and see my hands, and put out your hand and place it in my side. Do not disbelieve, but believe. Thomas answered him, My Lord and my God. This is the first place that this is declared to Jesus in scripture that he is lord and god my lord and my god jesus said to him have you believed because you have seen me blessed are those who have not seen and yet believed so let's let's look at this from thomas's perspective right he's following jesus jesus is his guy he will follow him to death but we look at this eight day period of his whole life, and we judge him based on that. We automatically go to doubting Thomas. Now think about times in your own life when maybe you were broken, maybe you had something happen to you, maybe someone extremely close to you just died. We're not the best versions of ourselves, right? We're not. We're broken up. Sometimes we're just a mess. Sometimes we're angry and we don't know why we're angry. We say stuff. We don't know why we're saying it. We say things we regret. And I know for me, if somebody entered into my life, the eight worst days of my life, and looked at it, like, I'd have much worse titles than Doubting Thomas. Much worse. It'd be like that gross Brett, or that addict Brett or that shameful Brett, or that guilty Brett, or that garbage Brett, like all this stuff that would be much worse than doubting Thomas. So when I first got saved, when I heard doubting Thomas, 
I got in my head, I was like, oh, so he just doubted everything. Like everything. How many people watch Family Guy? I do. I love Family Guy. Yes. I got one. All right, so there's, there's a clip. Don't worry, I'm not endorsing Family Guy. But there's... How many of you have seen Footloose? The old school one with Kevin Bacon. Okay. Everyone knows that Kevin Bacon is in Footloose, right? He was like, it's the biggest movie of his life. Well, there's a clip from Family Guy where a guy is just randomly sitting with a donkey that can talk. And the guy's like, he goes to the donkey, he's like, what do you mean? Of course, everyone knows Kevin Bacon wasn't Footloose. And the donkey goes, nope, no, he wasn't. The guy's like, what? Everybody knows that. He was like on GQ and he was people time man of the year for being in Footloose. Everyone knows that. Nope, 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 nope. That's what I pictured Doubting Thomas as. Like he's just his disciple following Jesus around like, nope, 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 nope. And it's not true. But that's what my perspective was when I got saved when I was 20, had no biblical training. And I'm like, Doubting Thomas, that's the first story I read about him. But the awesome part is that's not who Thomas was. So let's look at John 11. John 11, 6 through 16. And for context, this is Lazarus had just died. And Jesus and his disciples can't go back to that area for fear of Jesus being stoned to death. So that's the context of this verse. Okay? John eleven six through 16. So when he heard that Lazarus was ill, he stayed two days longer in the place where he was. So Jesus heard his best friend was sick, and he stayed where he was for two whole days. Okay. Then after this, he said to his disciples, let's go to Judea again. The disciples said to him, Rabbi, the Jews were just now seeking to stone you. And are you going there again? Jesus answered, Are there not twelve hours in a day? If anyone walks in a day, he does not stumble, because he sees the light of this world. But if anyone walks in the night, he stumbles, because the light is not in him. After saying these things, he said to them, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I go to awaken him. The disciples said to him, Lord, if he has fallen asleep, he will recover. So... At this point, I feel like Jesus goes, because <sighs> he has to clarify that he's not really asleep. Now Jesus had spoken of his death, but they had thought, they had thought that he was making, sorry, meant taking rest and sleep. Then Jesus told them plainly, Lazarus has died, and for your sake I am glad that I was not there, so you may believe. But let us go to him. So Thomas, called the twin, said to his fellow disciples, Let us go, that we may die with him. That's a dude. Like, that's a guy, that sounds like a line from an action movie, like a buddy action movie, right? Like, hey, we're probably going to die, but let's go with him. Like, hey, can you picture, like, Arnold Schwarzenegger and, like, Sylvester Stallone? Arnold's like... I'm going to go over there. And Stallone's like, let's go with them and we'll die. 
That sounds like a movie I would see. If that was the trailer, I'd go to it. Who would go to it? All the guys raised their hands. Yes, exactly. But all that to say is Thomas isn't just a guy that doubted. He's not just that. That's one part of his life. And none of us are that. None of us at one point in our lives, in our failures or in our successes, those are not who we are. We are God's beloved. We are his beloved children. And we need to see the world that way. We need to see ourselves as God sees us, and we need to see others the way God sees them. I'll share a story. Uh, I was living out here for a year, and I went back home for the first time to see my friends back to Wisconsin. And uh, I have like this group of five really close friends. We went to high school together. Four of us joined the army together. We did tours together. We're super tight. And it was my first time back. I'd been gone for a year. I just wanted to spend time with my friends. And we're out on a Friday night. I'm with my best friend and his wife, another friend and his wife. And there's one guy missing. And all day, he had been like dodging my calls, like not responding to my texts, not answering my voicemails, nothing. And I'm just like, dude, I want to see him. What's going on? So I asked my friend, and he's like, he, he asked me not to tell you. And so part of this was we were in this stage of we were just planning the church. And I don't know if you guys have ever experienced this, but if you have some friends that aren't believers, Sometimes they feel like you're judging them when you're not. Just because of what Jesus has done in your life, they can see how Jesus has radically changed your life. How you used to be this, how I used to be in high school, a punk, all sorts of things, and how God has transformed my life. Not anything I've done, but what God has done in my life. And through that, they somehow feel like you're judging them when you're not. And that's what was happening with my friend. We call him Halvey. His last name's Halverson, so we call him Halvey. And so Halvey wasn't there, and I'm just like, all right, what's going on? My best friend Joe, he tells me, yeah, he's, um, he's working at, as a bouncer at a strip club, and he didn't want you to know because he's kind of ashamed of it, and he thought you would judge him. And he's working right now, but he didn't want to tell you. Because it's like 11 o'clock on a Friday night, and I'm like, oh, man, okay, well, that, that sucks. But I was like, well, when's the shift over? And so my friend Joe texts him. He's like, yeah, the shift's over at 1. I'm like, place is like an hour and a half away. Let's go. Like, it's 1030 at night. I'm like, let's go. So we hop in the car, me and my best friend and his wife, and we're going. And I just really felt, I don't know if you guys have ever felt this, but you just really feel like God wants you to do something. Like, there's... God's preparing you for something. You don't know what it is. You don't know what he's preparing you for, but you're just like, you're doing something, God, and you want me to be a part of it, so I'm ready. So the whole time, I'm driving there, and there's all this weird stuff that starts happening. Like, my best friend and his wife start fighting, and I've never seen them fight. Never seen them fight. And they just start fighting about nonsense. Like all this stuff. And then when we first left, they were all like, yeah, let's go. This is going to be awesome. Let's go see him. 
And uh, not because we were going to a strip club. It's not why they were excited. <laughs> Clarification. But as we're getting closer, they're like, this is dumb. Why are we going? We should just turn around. It's like midnight. Why are we going? This is stupid. Ugh. All this stuff. And I'm driving. I'm like, okay, this is weird. Like three deer missed our car, like jumped in front of our car. How many of you have ever driven in the Midwest or anywhere where there's tons of deer? It's pretty terrifying, right? Especially at midnight. Yeah. You, you, you can't see them until they're in your headlights. And, you're, oh. and so we're driving and we finally get there. And I'm texting them like, dude, we're outside. Dude, we're outside. And uh, no response. And so I call my wife, who was at the time my girlfriend. I'm like, hey, okay, so don't freak out. Don't freak out. You sure? You're not going to freak out. I'm at a strip club. Don't freak out. Don't freak out. I'm outside of a strip club. I'm outside of a strip club. Yeah, so we're in the parking lot, and uh, I feel like I want you to pray for me because I might go in there to get healthy. So for context, I've never been in a strip club. And that's not because I'm like some holy roller. I tried when I was in high school, and even right after high school, before I got saved when I was 20, just never worked out. Like every place was like 21, and they wouldn't let me in. So it's not because I'm great. But I've never been in a strip club. That's all God. That's not anything to do with me. She's like, okay, cool. Let me pray for you. I'm like what you didn't freak out okay cool so she prays for me and the whole time my best friend and his wife are like fighting in the car i'm sitting outside the car i'm like what is going on this is crazy and it's one o'clock in the morning on fourth of july by the way like yeah crazy and so i just like get so filled with god and his presence where i'm like i'm gonna go in there and I feel like God's going to block all the stuff I'm not supposed to see. Like, I literally thought after she prayed for me, like, there would be black bars over stuff that I'm not supposed to see. I'm like, that'd be cool. All right. So I'm getting ready to go. I'm like, all right. All right, babe, I'll call you afterwards. Bye. And then I go to turn to go in, and he's walking out. I'm like, Ugh. Not because I want to go in the strip club, because I want to see if the black bars would show up. So he comes out, and we start talking, and I just really felt like, as she was praying, and as I was praying, as, I, as he was walking up, because it was a ridiculously big parking lot for like a small strip club. I was like, who comes here? It's 4th of July. Why do you have a big parking lot? There's no way all these people can fit in there. Anyways, so he's walking, and it seems like forever, and uh, just as he's walking up, I just hear God like, like just encourage him. Just encourage him. And so he comes up, and I start talking with him, and I'm just like, hey, what's up, man? And he's like, hey. I'm like, all right, jerk. I said something a little bit more extreme because he's my boy. But I was like, all right, guy. Like, you haven't seen me in a year, and you're just kicking gravel. That's cool, whatever. And then he's like, he's like oh, yeah. I'm like, so what's going on? I really had to pull, pull it out of him. And he's just not telling me anything, but I can tell like he's broken, like something happened. So I just go to him like, dude, I don't care if you just killed five people. Like I'm here because I love you. Like we drove an hour and a half because I wanted to see you. Like you're awesome, you're my dude, and I don't care what it is that happened, I'm here for you. You can tell me anything right now. You can tell me anything. Which by the way, I got permission to tell this story. If you're going to tell somebody's story, make sure you get permission first. 
if you're gonna do it over a microphone in front of a bunch of people you don't know. And so I'm like, dude, I don't care what you did. I don't care. I got your back, whatever it is. He goes on to tell me he was dating one of the girls that worked there, cheated on her with another girl. The other girl that was not her girlfriend got pregnant, had an abortion. His girlfriend found out and broke up with him all within like seven days. And all this, he got kicked out of his girlfriend's apartment, so now he's living at home, and the only job he can get is a bouncer in a strip club, and he's too ashamed to tell one of his best friends, who he hasn't seen in a year. What do you do with that? I was just like, like I started to cry. I was like, man, I am so sorry that all of that happened. I am so sorry that all of that happened. But that's not who you are. I just started to speak love over him. And I started to say, you're not a murderer. You didn't kill that baby. You're not a cheater. You're more than this place. You have more value than you realize. You are amazing. And I'm here for you. And then I just started to pray for him. And as I started to pray for him, I hear God say, he doesn't know me. What you're saying isn't connecting right now. What you're praying isn't connecting because he doesn't know who I am. And so then I just, I just flat out asked him, I'm like, hey dude, do you know who Jesus is? He's like, yeah, I, I went to church when I was like 13. I'm like, no, I mean, like, do you know who he is? And in that moment, at like 1 a.m. in a strip club parking lot, one of my best friends who I'd known for 25 years accepted Jesus. Accepted Jesus. And it's not because I went there because I'm some holier than thou. No, I just want to see my friend. Like, God will use that to change somebody's eternity. He will use that to change somebody's eternity. And it's not about the mask that he put on. It's not about him trying to hide from me. It's not about him even trying to hide from everyone else through the different masks he was putting on. It was about who he is and revealing that and saying, I don't care about all that stuff. We'll work that out, but I love you. Because that's how God looks at us. God says, listen, I know all the stuff you did. I know all that crap you did. I know all that sin you've done. But I paid for it. So that you can take that mask off and we can be together. Let's pray. God, I just thank you for your ridiculous love. There's no other way to explain it. Ridiculous doesn't even do it justice, but you are just so good to us that despite the garbage we find ourselves in, despite the mistakes we make, despite the sins we've done, that you still take that stuff away and you say, you're my beloved, you're my son, you're my daughter. 
And so, Father, I, right now, I just want to speak against some lies that some of us are believing about ourselves, that other people have told us, that we've told ourselves, that the world has told us, that we're not good enough, that we are sinners, that we're never going to get better, that we're addicts, that we're just all these things that were ugly, that were these terrible things, that, God, I just want to take all those and clear the table. Father, I just take all those away. And Father, right now, 